One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In today's episode, I'll be reading a brilliant article about one of the easiest and most effective ways to become a better communicator in any language. The author, Brian Kaplan, is a professor of economics at George Mason University and a New York Times bestselling author. You can check out his work at substack.com slash at bet on it. That's substack.com forward slash the at symbol B-E-T-O-N-I-T. I'll leave a link in the description of this episode. Now, no matter what your first language is, and no matter what your current level of English is, I can guarantee that you or someone you know will identify with the scenario that Brian lays out in this article. And you know I'm not one to waste time, my friend. So let's get right into it. The title of this article is The Conformity of Silence. Here we go. Never talk to strangers. Plenty of parents teach this paranoid lesson, but hardly any need to. Most kids refuse to talk to strangers even if their parents order them to do so. You want a refill on your soda? Just go up to the nice lady over there and ask her. No, I can't. Ugh, I have to do it for you? Please? You were probably picturing a little kid, but most teens are the same way. Indeed, the problem often gets worse as kids mature. You want X? Just go ask for it. Oh, I'd rather live without it. What could possibly go wrong? Oh, I'll look weird. The problem is especially severe, of course, when there is romantic attraction. There's no age limit to fear of rejection. Oh, she's so great. Fine, go ask her out. Oh, I'd rather die. What could possibly go wrong? I, I just can't. What's preventing people from initiating conversations, in a word, is conformism. Approaching strangers and talking to them isn't normal. 
I can only do normal things. The problem? At least in modern societies, conformism mandates silence. Which is terrible, because wonderful opportunities are waiting for anyone with the courage to speak. Never talk to strangers. If you never talk to strangers, you may never make any friends. And in case you haven't heard, friendship rules the world. My recommendation, as usual, embrace nonconformism. Speak freely in a friendly manner to anyone you wish. Weird? Sure. But I assure you, on balance, it works well. If that behavioral change is too radical for you to stomach, start small. Ask cashiers about their days and actually engage their responses. Talk to strangers in line at amusement parks. Cold email internet personalities you admire. Greet all your coworkers and neighbors. Whenever you see the same person a second time, think, oh, it's them. You aren't just improving your social skills by speaking to others. You're improving your non-conforming skills by speaking to others when it's weird to do so. Is it possible that you're bothering people? That they'd prefer studied silence? Sure, it's possible. More likely, however, they're at least a little lonely and will appreciate your non-conformist behavior. Realistically, the worst thing that can happen is they'll deliberately ignore you. Which brings you back to your original position of mutual silence. Silence is not golden. Silence is sad. Silence is the sound of missed opportunities. One of the greatest applications of nonconformism is to recover these missed opportunities by breaking the silence. Make new friends, find true love, and get your drink refilled. Try it and see some of your dreams come true, often in a matter of minutes. All right, my friends, how was that for you? Hopefully it wasn't too difficult to comprehend. As always, I'm going to go back and explain some of the nouns, verbs, and adjectives just to make sure everything was clear before we move on to the next part of this episode. So here we go. Brian starts by saying, never talk to strangers. And you might not know this. So a stranger is just anybody that you don't know, anybody you're not familiar with. And I don't know what it's like in your country or your culture, but when I was a kid, it was very common to hear people say, don't talk to strangers, right? He might be a, a predator, might be so don't if somebody offers you candy in the street, don't talk to them. Don't say, don't say anything. Don't acknowledge them. Don't engage them. They just want to bring you back to their van and take you off somewhere and fucking molest you or some shit, right? And so Brian goes on to say, plenty or many, so it's a similar word. Plenty of something just means a, a a decent or considerable amount of something. So plenty of parents or many parents teach this paranoid lesson. Now, just in case you don't know, paranoid just means excessively suspicious or mistrustful, often to an irrational degree. It's like you're doubting whether or not you can trust this person or this information, but like almost to the point where it's a little crazy, like you don't really have any rational or logical reasons for being so mistrustful, but you're still excessively mistrustful. That's basically what it means to be paranoid. 
So many parents teach their kids this paranoid lesson. And so hopefully you get the idea of the word paranoid in relation to the example of a stranger offering some kids some free candy. A lot of parents are paranoid about all these strangers, all these strange men and women who might be a threat to them or their children. And so Brian is saying many parents teach this lesson, but hardly any need to. So the word hardly in this case is a synonym for barely, which is another way of saying almost not at all, almost 0%. So let me say that again. A lot of parents teach this paranoid lesson, but hardly any need to. So a lot of parents teach their kids not to talk to strangers, but the reality is almost none of those people actually need to teach their kids not to talk to strangers because most kids refuse to talk to strangers even if their parents order them to do so. Even if their parents tell them to talk to strangers, most kids refuse to do it. They say, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to. I'm too afraid. I'll look weird. He's scary. She's blah, blah. So even though they're teaching these kids, don't talk to strangers, they might be dangerous. It's like, dude, you don't even need to tell these kids that. Even if you try to make them talk to strangers, they're not going to do it. That is the point. So then um, you might have got confused when I started doing different voices and saying these, these, uh, the sentences that came after that. But it's like a dialogue, just in case you're not reading the transcript or looking at the vocabulary guide. He starts using example dialogues. So the first person says, you want a refill on your soda, which literally means to fill the cup again. That's what it means to get a refill. You're at a restaurant or something. You drink all of your soda and you want more. You say, excuse me, can I get a refill? You're asking them to refill the cup with whatever drink that you just had. Okay. So you want a refill on your soda? Just go up to the nice lady over there and ask her. Just walk over to that lady and say, can I have a refill? Just ask her. And so the person two, the kid in this case, says, no, I can't. I can't do it. And the parent says, oh, I have to do it for you. I have to ask for you. And the kid says, please, can you please just ask for me? And then Brian says, you were probably picturing a little kid in that scenario. By listening to the dialogue, you think it's an adult talking to a child. You were probably picturing a kid. Now, to picture something is not the same thing as taking a picture. To take a picture means to use like a, a camera of some kind or a phone with a camera on it to capture an image. But to picture something in your mind is basically the same thing as imagining something in your mind. But visually, you're forming a mental image or a, a mental representation of someone or something in your mind. So you are probably imagining a little kid, but the reality is most teens are the same way. And teens is a very common term that's used to refer to teenagers, anybody between the ages of 13 and 19. These are teenagers or teens. So it's not just kids that have this issue. Even teenagers are the same way. They're afraid of talking to strangers. And so after that, Brian goes into another example dialogue. The parent says, if you want X, which is anything in this case, you want something, just go and ask for it. And the other person says, I'd rather live without it. <laughs> I prefer to just live without that thing. That's easier than asking for the thing and possibly being rejected or humiliated or sounding weird or whatever. I would rather just live without it. And person number one responds by asking, what could possibly go wrong? Just ask. And the person two says, oh, I'm going to look weird. I'm going to look like a weirdo. 
you know? So then Brian goes on to say, this problem is especially severe when there's romantic attraction. Doesn't matter how old you are, you are still susceptible to the fear of rejection. You could be 16, 26, 46. There's no age limit on that kind of fear. And so there's another example dialogue in the context of romance. Person one says, oh, she's so great, man. Look at that girl, bro. She bad as fuck. I need that in my life. And your friend says, fine, go ask her out. To ask someone out basically means to ask them if they want to go on a date with you. So I say, damn, she's fine. She looks amazing. She's so great. And my friend says, fine, well, ask her out. Ask her on a date. And then I say, I'd rather die. (laughs) Dying sounds easier than walking up to that beautiful woman and asking her out on a date. And so then my friend asks the same question. What could possibly go wrong? And I respond by saying, man, I just can't do it. I can't. I'm too scared. So then Brian goes on to say, what's preventing most people from initiating or starting conversations in one simple word is conformism. And so conformism is, it describes the idea of adhering to or following social norms, social conventions, even though you probably want to do something different. You'd like to be an individual and do your own thing, but you feel the societal pressure to do what everybody else is doing. So maybe in your culture, getting tons of tattoos all over your body is is taboo. It's seen as unacceptable. Or people will assume negative things about you if you have tons of tattoos. So instead of getting the tattoos that you want, you choose to conform to your societal norms and not get any tattoos because you want to be accepted by society. That's what it means to conform. That describes conformism or what i've just described to you is an example of conformism since o'brien is saying that's generally what keeps people from starting conversations and then he, he uses a quote an example sentence a lot of people think approaching strangers and talking to them is not normal and i can only do normal things right i must conform and brian is saying this is the problem the problem with conformity is that conformism what a terrible the problem with conformity is that conformism jesus The problem with conformism is that it mandates silence. It demands silence. It requires silence. It orders you or tells you you need to be silent. You know, if somebody mandates something, it's typically an authority figure that has the power to tell other people what to do. So conformism mandates silence. You must be silent. Which is terrible because wonderful opportunities are waiting for anyone with enough courage to speak. Brian says, if you never talk to strangers, you may never make any friends. And when he says, in case you haven't heard, friendship rules the world. In the actual article, there's a link that you can click on that will take you to a different article talking about the importance of friendship. But the actual phrase, friendship rules the world. To rule, when it's used as a verb, R-U-L-E, it means to govern or control something. You have a significant amount of authority over someone or something. So a king will rule a country. Similar to saying a government will govern a country. It's essentially the same idea, right? So if friendship rules the world, it means that friendship is the most important thing in the world. It dictates how everything happens or is done, how people think, how people feel. A life with no friends probably going to be pretty shitty. But if you have great friendships, then your life's going to be great. Friendship rules the world. 
you know, it uh, determines or dictates a lot in our lives. That's the basic idea. I hope that makes sense. So then Brian says my recommendation or Brian's <laughs> Jesus can't fucking talk today. Brian says his recommendation is to embrace nonconformism, to accept or willingly adopt the idea of nonconformity, choosing not to conform. Speak freely in a friendly manner or in a friendly way to anybody you wish, anyone you like. And maybe it's weird. Maybe you're going to be seen as a weirdo. It's not normal in your culture or you just feel weird. Maybe you're more introverted. You're socially anxious. But it still is going to have a net positive effect on your life. Talking to more strangers generally is going to be better for you, not worse. Just interacting with people is already good for you. And by not talking to people, there's a 0% chance you make new friends or find a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever. But just by talking to people, you're increasing the chance that you meet people that you actually want to know. That's the point. So then Brian goes on to say, if that behavioral change is too radical for you to stomach, then start small. So behavioral change is a change in your behavior. And if that's too radical, if that's too extreme for you to stomach, then just start small. Now the verb to stomach is um, pretty useful. You might not hear it every day, but it's a bit more advanced. And if you use it, you're going to sound extremely natural. 100,000% native speech when you use the word stomach as a verb. Now to stomach something just means to tolerate or endure something. Typically something very unpleasant or something very difficult. So just think about the act of digesting food. If something is very difficult to digest, you're going to feel physical pain. You're going to be uncomfortable. You need to sit down somewhere and relax until you've finished digesting this food because it's, it's hard to tolerate the discomfort. It's hard to tolerate the pain. Now think about that in a more metaphorical context. If getting out of your comfort zone and talking to strangers all day is too extreme for you, if the idea of that is too much for you to tolerate, if doing that is too much for you to endure, if you feel like you just can't take that, you just, it's too much right now, then start small. So if you cannot stomach this idea, if it's too hard to digest, if it's too hard to accept, if it's too hard to do or endure, then start small. I hope that makes sense to you. So then he gives examples. He says, ask cashiers about their days and actually engage their responses. And a cashier, just in case you don't know, is the person standing at the cash register, taking your money in exchange for the products that you bought or that you're going to buy, I should say. That's the cashier. So ask them, how's your day going? How many hours are you working today? Anything interesting happen? What are you going to do when you get off work or whatever? Anything. And actually listen and engage with whatever they say. Try to keep the conversation going for a reasonable amount of time, obviously. Or talk to strangers in line at amusement parks or at the cafe or wherever it may be. Then he says, cold email internet personalities you admire. Now, to cold email somebody just means to email someone with whom you have no pre-existing relationship or contact. The same thing as cold calling. If you work in a call center, especially one that's sales-oriented, some telemarketing company, you are cold calling people all fucking day. These people didn't ask you to call them. They're not necessarily interested in buying what you have to sell, so they're not prepared to receive your phone call. They are currently cold. 
in the sales world, they'll say you have a cold lead or opportunity, and then a warm lead or opportunity, and then a hot lead or opportunity. If they're cold, they're not necessarily ready or prepared to be sold something. If they're warm, they're probably interested, but they still need some convincing. They're not exactly sure, but they're definitely like a potential customer at this point. The product is on their mind and they're open to being sold something. If it's a hot lead, a hot opportunity, it means that they are ready to buy. You just have to fucking close the sale. Cold, warm, hot. So cold emailing people just means emailing people that you don't know and you've never talked to before. They're not ready for your message. They're not expecting it, you know? So it's just another example of something small you can do to get out of your comfort zone. Then he says, greet all your coworkers and neighbors. And to greet somebody means to say hello, acknowledge their presence. Hey, how you doing? Good afternoon. What's up? Something like that. And then whenever you see the same person for a, a second time, don't think, oh, I need to cross the street and avoid this person. No, think, oh, it's them. I know that person. I've talked to that person before. That's a familiar face. Then you go talk to them again. And guess what? You get even more familiar. After a few months of that, you're walking through the streets and you just know so many people. Hey, what's up? How you doing, man? Good to see you. How your mama and them? How the kids doing? Oh, that's second grade? Oh, shit, man. These kids getting big, boy. I remember when that motherfucker was in diapers, bro. That motherfucker second grade. You know? That's, uh, that's often how it gets done, man. Just like I, I uh, follow a YouTube channel called Charisma on Command. I highly recommend it for anybody who wants to improve their social skills. And one thing he talks about in some of his videos is the idea that a lot of people look at social skills as if it's something that you can turn on and off, like a TV or a computer. Like you spend the majority of your day or your week or your month or even your year being antisocial. You're more introverted. You prefer not to interact with too many people. You don't want to go to social events and network and all that shit. But when you see a beautiful woman walking down the street, you want to talk to her. And so you think, oh, I can just ding, turn on my fucking charisma, my social skills, go over there, charm her, give her my number, and then, you know, do what we do. When it's most likely not going to work like that, it's, it's a muscle that you have to develop and then maintain. So if you haven't been interacting with people, especially in a flirtatious or romantic way, it's not like you can just turn that shit on and be fucking Casanova in this bitch. You have to practice. And so by practicing constantly, just in any context, not just romance, or not just for a romantic context, but platonic relationships, casual stuff in the streets, just by constantly speaking to people, making small talk, listening attentively, keeping the conversation going. When you finally come across somebody you genuinely want to talk to, you'll already have your social skills where they need to be in order to actually have a successfully positive interaction with this person. That was a lot of words, but I'm hoping it made sense. What I don't remember is why I was telling you that. <laughs> Uh, when you, oh, greet, that's what it was. Greet all your coworkers and neighbors. It's a very simple thing you can do to just get in the habit of speaking to people you don't know because it needs to become a habit. You can't just turn it on and off. You need to do it constantly, just like learning to speak English or losing weight and building muscle in the gym, whatever it may be, quitting smoking, eating healthier, fucking learning to paint or play the guitar. You have to do it regularly before it comes naturally. And so then Brian goes on to say, you're not just improving your social skills by speaking to other people, you're actually improving your non-conforming skills 
by speaking to people when it's weird to do so. In moments when most people think it's strange to talk to strangers, you're practicing your non-conforming skills by talking to those strangers, even though most people think it's weird. And so he, he addresses a very probable objection to this idea, which is, oh, I don't want to bother people. Especially if you're introverted, you probably think this way. I don't like bothering people, and I definitely don't like people bothering me. And so if I'm going to just approach a random stranger, I must be bothering them. And so Brian says, is it possible that you're bothering people and they prefer to sit in silence? Sure, it's possible. But what's even more likely or probable is that they're probably a little bit lonely, just like you. And they're going to appreciate the fact that instead of doing what everybody else does, which is ignore people and sit in silence, you're choosing to talk to them. You're choosing to engage with them in conversation. And worst case scenario, they ignore you and say nothing. Brian is saying, realistically, that's the worst thing that can happen. I don't necessarily disagree with that um, because much worse things can happen just because you decided to start a conversation with somebody. But they're obviously not the most common case. I mean, he has a point. I'm not trying to say he's wrong. I'm just, uh, I guess, trying to be funny. <laughs> like somebody, are you laughing right now? Was that funny? I'm just saying it's not the worst thing that can happen in a random conversation. You might say the wrong thing to the wrong person and boom, bop, boom. She gets ugly. But realistically, like he said, realistically, the worst thing that happens is they ignore you or they think you're weird or, or something like that. And if that's the case, then you go right back to where you were, which is sitting in silence, not knowing this person. But isn't it worth a try? Isn't it worth, you know, if you really want to talk to the person, why not try? I think that's the whole idea in this, this, this article is like, even if you feel it's a weird thing to do, if you want to talk to somebody, just talk to them. What's the worst that's going to happen? They, they ignore you? Okay, then go on about your day. They think you're weird? Okay, everybody's fucking weird, bro. Everybody is weird. Trust me when I tell you, everybody is weird. Everybody has secrets. Everybody's done crazy shit, fucked up shit. If they haven't yet, they most likely will in the future. I mean, like, we're all human, bro. It's not like you're unique in that sense. We're all weird. And I just don't see anything weird about talking to other people. I mean, like, that's why we, like, we, that's what language is for. <laughs> it's literally created so that we could do what we do naturally, which is communicate, right? In my opinion, that's not a fact, that's an opinion. But you get my point. And so Brian finishes the article by saying, silence is not golden, silence is sad. Because if you choose to sit in silence around all these people all the time, you're just missing tons of opportunities. So by breaking the silence, you can recover those missed opportunities and give yourself a chance to make new friends, to find your true love if you believe in that thing, or just to get your drink refilled, right? The simple stuff. And so his call to action is to try it, just to get out of your comfort zone, embrace non-conformity, and start talking to people. And you might be surprised by how many good things can happen just because you decided to open your mouth. You know, we actually have a, a phrase, at least where I'm from. I don't know if people all over the U.S. say this. I don't know if people in other countries say this. But where I'm from, um, I, would, I would like to say black American culture, but I think it's more of a southern. Like, but this, this is a completely different subject, and I'm not going to get too deep into it. But when I say black culture or like, like uh, black American English, which is not a term that I appreciate, but it does make sense. You'll often 
find that black American English is very similar to white Southern American English, just because of the history of the country. You got to think about when, well, first of all, we had slavery and black people were around all these white people who were speaking English. That's who they learned English from. And then after slavery was abolished, a lot of the black people stayed in the South. And so you have these white and black people around each other. So they're naturally going to pick up on the things that both of them say. They're going to say a lot of the same stuff. And then black people started moving to other parts of the U.S. and took their English with them. And that's why no matter where you go in the U.S., certain things are universally understood by black people. But those same things might be said or heard in certain parts of the southern United States, even if those people are white. And the color of your skin doesn't determine, like, it's not the only thing that determines the way you talk. And again, this is completely unrelated to the episode. I might cut this part out because this deserves its own episode. But the point I was trying to make, or all I wanted to tell you, is that we have a phrase or an expression, which is, a closed mouth don't get fed. Or I'm from, you'll hear this from time to time. And literally, what we're saying is, if your mouth is closed, I literally cannot feed you food. I cannot give you food. Your mouth is closed, so there's no way you can eat the food. A closed mouth does not get fed. To feed someone means to give them food so they can eat it. And so, well, let me say it this way. The grammatically correct way to say it is a closed mouth does not get fed. We say a closed mouth don't get fed. Closed mouth don't get fed, bro, which basically means if you don't tell somebody what you want, how are you going to get it? If you want something, you got to tell somebody. You have to say something. Open your mouth and speak. So if you want to get to know this person, you need to open your mouth and speak to them. If you want to get your drink refilled, you have to open your mouth and say that. Closed mouth don't get fed. Can't force you to eat or open your mouth. So if you want something to eat, you got to open your mouth and tell somebody. Because a closed mouth don't get fed. And I think that's uh, directly related to the last paragraph, right? It's like if you just choose to sit in silence, you're missing tons of opportunities to get what you most likely want. Friends, a partner, money, opportunities to do whatever. You know, you can't get those things by sitting in silence, avoiding people. And this is coming from an introvert who tends to avoid people. <laughs> and I still know it to be true. You know, that's why I'm making this episode. But let's move on to uh, some more interesting things related to this article. Again, a great article by Brian Kaplan. I love, I will leave, not I left. I will leave a link to his Substack in the description of this episode. I'm sure you can find his social media accounts and website and all that by going to his Substack. But now, my friends, moving on to the next part of this episode, let's talk about the psychological aspect of conformity. Because the fear of judgment, I think, is a big factor when it comes to people avoiding social interaction, when it comes to people conforming to social norms. You know, a lot of people are just so afraid of being ne negatively criticized or ridiculed, embarrassed, rejected. They're just so afraid of being judged, so afraid of the negative things that other people might think of them. For just doing what they want to do. You're not hurting anybody by talking to people. Not doing anything wrong. And yet still you feel for whatever reason that it is wrong. And so by doing it, you're probably going to be judged by the people around you. Even if that's not the case, that's the way you think. 
I highly suggest you listen to episode number 59, I believe. The title is The Looking Glass Self. It's totally related to what I just said, which is how sometimes you will start to judge yourself because you're assuming that other people are judging you. And you're using other people as some external entity to justify judging yourself. You know, you're saying, oh, they must think this, this, and this about me, when really that's what you think about yourself, you know? But anyway, I think that's a huge factor. It's just the fear of being judged, fear of what other people might think, which is totally understandable, depending on your cultural background or your family, your parents, totally understandable, the fear of judgment. Um, and I also think just the fear of uncertainty, the, the fear of, of the unknown, right? Not knowing what's going to happen. Because when you approach somebody you don't know, you have no idea what to expect. They might be a crazy person. They might yell at me. They might curse me out. They might reject me. They might embarrass me. They might attack me. You just, you immediately, because you're anxious, you start imagining all the worst possible outcomes and you plant that in your mind and let it marinate. And you do that long enough, you just decide not to even try. You know, you're worried about saying the wrong thing. You're worried about those awkward silences, which don't have to be awkward, by the way. Silence is only awkward if you make it awkward, if you ask me. But a lot of us are afraid of that, right? Those, those moments of silence when nobody knows what to say. You don't know how to behave because you're aware of different cultural backgrounds and you don't know this person's cultural background and you don't want to offend them. You don't know what kind of humor you can use, you know? Like me, I have a very dark sense of humor that I don't feel I can use with most people because everybody's so motherfucking sensitive these days. You know, so if you're like me, then that might be a, a source of fear for you. You're like, shit, I don't want to offend somebody and get into an argument and get embarrassed and blah, blah, blah. Just the fear of the unknown that keeps us from moving forward in life, not just in social interactions, in life. The fear of the unknown. It's why so many people are afraid of death. Not dying itself, but just what happens after that. I'm afraid to find out what happens after, you know? Just the fear of the unknown. And like I said, also the fear of rejection. A lot of people, a lot of us are afraid of just being rejected, especially by people we want to talk to. You know what I mean? Because a rejection in some way is a judgment. You are not good enough. You have not met my standards. As a friend, a potential partner, whatever the situation may be, if I'm rejecting you, I'm saying it's not up to my standards. It's not good enough. That is a judgment. And we fear that. We fear not being good enough. You know? Um, this is really common for people that have social anxiety, they're afraid that they're not going to be interesting enough, cool enough, funny enough, or whatever, and they're going to get rejected, you know, or people with um, attachment issues too, right? Like if you never learned how to healthily connect to another person, develop a healthy relationship in which you don't depend on that person's presence, you just appreciate their presence, that can also be a, a huge problem. You know, if you've already created some type of mental connection with this person, even though you've never spoken to them, I know some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Create this whole scenario in your fucking head and all these things that you wish you could say, all these things that would happen if you actually talk to them. You've never talked to them, though. It's an unhealthy attachment that you've made to this person. And now you're afraid to actually talk to them because if they reject you, then your fucking world shatters to pieces, you know? And I think that the, the 
fear of rejection, the fear of the unknown, the fear of judgment is also linked to just generally negative self-beliefs. Generally, it's people that don't think very highly of themselves. They don't have high self-esteem. Like I said, I'm not interesting enough. I'm socially anxious. I'm awkward. People don't think I'm funny. People don't want me around. Whatever. You just see yourself in a negative light, which heavily decreases the chance that you will want to put yourself out there and talk to new people. You know, you already don't think highly of yourself. So you're certainly going to assume that everybody else is not going to think highly of you. And if that's the case, then why the fuck would I even talk to these people? I'm just going to remain isolated. Which, unfortunately, only increases that level of awkwardness and anxiety that you feel. You know, by choosing, and I choose probably isn't the best word. I say choose when thinking about myself, but for other people, it might not be a conscious choice. So let me just speak about myself. If and when I choose to be shy and stay introverted and in my comfort zone and my little shell, my little bubble, that only increases my level of awkwardness and anxiety the next time I have to talk to somebody. Like I said, it's a muscle. It's the same exact reason that you go six months without speaking English and the next time you have to do it, you feel nervous. It feels weird, kind of familiar, but you forgot a lot of things. how, How do I say that? How do I structure the sentence? What does she say? It's been so long since I've heard anybody speak this. It's the same thing. Same thing. You go too long without interacting with people. You forget. You literally forget how to interact with people. Isn't that insane? You forget how to interact with. So that's fucking crazy to me, man. But it's real. It's real. You know? And like I said before, like something that might be dictating the way you view social interactions is your cultural background. Because some of us come from countries where being friendly and sociable is the norm. It's the normal thing to do. Everybody does it. Or most people do it. While others come from places where it's seen as a bit strange to strike up a conversation with a random stranger. No matter the context. It's just, it's weird for some people. And when I was doing this episode, two countries that immediately came to mind were Brazil and Japan. Brazil is known for... People that are very friendly and sociable, relatively extroverted. They're very family and community oriented. And it's relatively easy to meet new people and make friends in Brazil, even if you're not from the country. Even if you don't speak much Portuguese, it's still very, or I should say relatively, easy to make friends, meet new people, you know, find a partner or whatever it is, because they're just very friendly, sociable, extroverted people. They like talking to people. They like interacting with people. And I'm generalizing, obviously. But I think it's, I think we can all agree Brazil has this reputation, right? Whereas, on the other hand, it's redundant. Whereas, uh, let me explain that. Whereas, on the other hand, is like saying the same thing twice. I, we use both of those phrases to, to, to introduce a statement that contrasts the previous statement. So, Brazil is known for being friendly and sociable. Whereas Japan is known for something different. Or Brazil is known for being friendly and sociable. While on the other hand, Japan is known for blah, blah, blah. I don't need to say whereas and on the other hand. One right after the other. It's redundant. I hope that makes sense. Anyway, we talked about Brazil. Um, But on the other hand, Japan has a reputation for being a country full of people that are much more reserved and cautious. Um, 
they're very polite. They don't want to bother other people. They don't want to be a nuisance. They don't want to cause a scene. They don't want to talk too loud. They don't want to inconvenience other people. And it's, from what I've heard, I've never been to Japan, but from what I've heard, it's relatively difficult to cultivate meaningful relationships with Japanese people. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But again, these countries have these reputations, right? So if you come from a country like Brazil, then interacting with strangers and being sociable and extroverted and friendly, that's normal to you. But if you come from a country like Japan, it's much more reserved, then the idea of talking to strangers might literally scare you. You might literally feel afraid to do that. And it's totally understandable. It's not right or wrong. But the point of the episode is to think about it and ask yourself, okay, I was raised to behave this way, but is this way of being actually making my life better? Am I happy when I live in this way? Do I wish I had more friends? Do I want a girlfriend? Would I like to get married? Probably going to need to talk to people if that's the case. So maybe my cultural background or my culture in general isn't right about everything. Maybe sometimes it's okay not to conform to the social norm because what I want isn't aligned with the social norm. And the social norm doesn't give a fuck about me. I give a fuck about me. And I want this, so I'm going to go against the social norm and go after what I want. And it's not like we're talking about robbing a bank when you ain't got no money or fucking, you know, we're just talking about talking to people. Just talking to people. You know? So I think that one thing that often gets overlooked is how our culture influences the way we think and behave. A lot of people identify as their nationality first. I'm American first. I'm Brazilian first. I'm South African first. I'm Japanese first, Russian first. And then I'm a person. Then I'm an individual. You know? I just, I mean, I can't say I never understood it, but to me, it's just fucking dumb. Like, to base your whole identity on the patch of dirt that you were born on. Like, dude, if your parents would have flown a 3,000 kilometers in a different direction the day before you were born, you'd have a different nationality. You'd be a completely different person. The fuck are you talking about? But anyway, we're getting off track again, aren't we? Yes, we are. Uh, my computer's about to die. Let me grab my charger real quick, y'all. I'll be right back. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Okay, I'm back, ladies and gentlemen. Got the charger plugged in. Let's, uh, let's proceed. So we talked about, just to recap, we talked about the psychology of conformity. We talked about the cultural differences when it comes to social interaction and, and how that is viewed. 
depending on where you're from. And also another thing that um, is, is relevant is technology. Technology and social isolation. Now, I know that talking about the toxic effects of modern technology at this point is like beating a dead horse, you know? And the idiom to beat a dead horse basically means to keep talking about this thing that has already been talked about so many times. It's like we already came to a conclusion on that thing. We already found the resolution to that issue, but you just keep fucking talking about it. So just imagine a horse that is dead and you're still just fucking beating the horse. But it's already dead. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? It's not going to do anything. It's not going to respond. It is over. It's fucking dead. So by beating it even more, it's like obviously pointless. And so by talking about the toxic effects of modern technology, I might be beating a dead horse at this point, but it's still a topic that's relevant to the episode. And instead of demonizing digital devices, I'm going to take a more neutral approach and let you decide how you feel about this. So let's start with the challenges of this modern technology. I think one of them is social comparison and what we call FOMO. F-O-M-O. That's an acronym that represents the phrase fear of missing out. Now to miss out on something like an opportunity or an event or something like that means to miss the chance to do or appreciate that thing. So if you miss out on the Drake concert, you missed the chance to go to that concert. You missed out. And so FOMO describes the fear of missing out. A lot of people will just say FOMO. And uh, the problem here is that on social media, as we all know, well, as most of us know, even though we sometimes forget, we're looking at a highly curated and idealized version of people's lives and people's personalities. And so you might make the mistake of comparing yourself to somebody who seems to have everything figured out, who seems to have an amazing life. They're extroverted and confident and charismatic. They get girls, they got money, they're getting attention from guys or whatever the fuck. And you compare that person to yourself and think, damn, I'm a piece of shit. I'm afraid to talk to girls. I'm afraid to talk to guys. I'm afraid to talk to strangers. I'm not funny. I'm not charismatic. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not getting these things because I don't have this and that. You know, you just start comparing yourself and your personality when you're probably not even looking at the real version of that person or you're just looking at 10% of who that person actually is. And, and what's also important to remember is even if all that shit is real, you have no idea what it took for them to get there. So why are you comparing yourself to them? Even if they actually have all that money or even if they really do have top tier social skills, even if they do get all the girls or all the guys, you don't know what they had to do to reach that point in their life. They could have started at the same place or an even worse place than you started and you didn't get to see that journey. So how can you compare your position to their position? You didn't start at the same place. And even if you did, you probably took different paths to get to the same place. So it's like, there's no way to compare an apple to an orange. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think this contributes to a lot of feelings of inadequacy. It contributes to anxiety, depression, low self-esteem, negative self-view, self-image, or whatever you call it. It's a big problem. And uh, the reason this is relevant, if you ask me, is because when it comes to social skills, you might even, let's just use me, because a lot of people have told me that 
they want to talk like me or they admire the way I speak or my confidence, my social skills and my communication skills. It's like, bro, first of all, not only are they not fantastic, if we're being real. Secondly, like you have no idea who I was six years ago. Not a sit. Well, maybe Mateos might be listening to this. If you are, shout out to you, bro. But anybody else listening to this has absolutely no idea who I was six years ago. I definitely wasn't talking like this. You know what I'm saying? And so the point I'm trying to make is even if you look at somebody like me, you're learning English and you want to talk like me or you admire the way I speak or my confidence, my communication skills, you have to remember, first of all, we cannot be compared to each other. And second of all, you have no idea how long I've been working on this skill and how hard it's been for me and how far I feel I still have to go. So there's no reason to be comparing yourself to me. You can use me or somebody else for inspiration, but it should never affect the way you feel about yourself. And I know that's easier said than done, but hopefully you get the point. Um, something else, another challenge of modern tech is just distractions. You know what I mean? Constantly being on these digital devices, our phones and computers, the fucking Apple Vision Pros and shit. We're just constantly distracted by digital devices, by notifications, text messages, likes and retweets and fucking you name it. And we're not paying attention to each other, bro. I don't mean to sound cliche and I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but it is real shit. We're not paying attention to each other. And this only makes conversation that much harder. To me, it makes conversation impossible, but it certainly makes it harder. When you're talking to somebody that won't stop looking down at their phone or somebody's trying to talk to you and you won't stop looking at your phone, walking through the streets on your phone instead of looking forward at the people coming towards you, waiting in line, looking at your phone instead of talking to the people standing right next to you. And if you don't want to do that, then obviously you don't have to do that. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm asking you to think about what you do. And maybe, just maybe, one simple thing that you can do to be less socially anxious and become a better communicator is by putting your fucking phone down and looking people in their eyes and speaking to them. I'm just saying maybe it's an option. And these digital distractions are definitely hindering that aspect of personal growth. Constantly being distracted by your phone or some digital information is not helping you become a better communicator or a better person. It's just not. I don't see how you can have a meaningful conversation when one or both people are not actually paying attention. I don't see how you could even notice an opportunity to speak to somebody and be more social if you're looking down at your fucking phone. That is the issue. It's not the phone itself. It's the overindulgence. It's the reliance on the phone. I need that to feel comfortable. If I don't have my phone, I, I just can't sit in silence with all these strangers. I can't look somebody in the eyes. I wouldn't fucking dare ask somebody how their day is going. I need my phone. And if that's how you choose to live, fucking more power to you, bro. I'm just saying that uh, if you're listening to this, if you're still listening at this point, you probably want to become a better communicator. I'm saying it's a very simple way to do it. By putting your fucking phone down, looking at people, acknowledging their existence. And talking to them. You know? Another challenge with the digital devices is uh, privacy and more importantly, misinformation. Um, and one thing that often makes open and honest communication is a lot, a lot harder is 
talking to somebody who doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> you know, we've all been that person before. All right. We've all been that person who heard something that sounded good. And then we go and repeat it to somebody else as if we know what we're talking about when we don't. We don't. And before it was just people who watch the news all day or read the paper all day or listen to the radio all day. Now it's anybody who's on their phone all day, just consuming a bunch of information, never taking the time to verify it, but then going and repeating that to other people in conversations or even in debates or arguments as if they know what they're talking about. Also, just the con like just consuming all that information makes it hard to focus no matter what you're doing. How can you be present and have a meaningful conversation when you're just distracted by the 76 TikTok videos you just finished watching? You know what I mean? And I think constantly being distracted like that, as well as comparing yourself to people that you think are better, as well as the fear of missing out on certain opportunities, all of that just leads to you feeling that much more, or how can I say this? You just end up feeling that much lonelier and isolated. You know what I mean? Because although, yes, technology does connect us in some way, we're going to get into the positives in just a second. I think that uh, our, our over-reliance on the technology ends up making us feel even more isolated. Social media, theoretically, is designed for us to connect with more people. But I think a lot of us feel more isolated than ever because now even inside your own house, mom, dad, and all three children are looking at devices instead of looking at each other. I know it's cliche. I know we talked about it 50,000 times. I'm just, you know, it's relevant to the episode. But I'm not going to beat that dead horse anymore. Let's move on to some positives, eh? Some fucking, some fucking pros. Like I just said, it does connect us in a way if, if the technology is used properly. Because there are people all over the world learning to speak foreign languages, meeting best friends, future boyfriends and girlfriends, future husbands and wives on the internet. There are people who 10 years ago would have been considered fucking weirdos and nerds for liking Dragon Ball Z or Attack on Titan or Death Note or Jujutsu Kaisen or you fucking name it for liking anime and, and manga and all that shit. They'd be considered nerds and weirdos at their high school, but now they can go online and find thousands or millions of people who like the same shit. And now they don't feel weird. They have found their community online, which is fucking amazing, dude. Sites like Reddit, YouTube, Discord. Fucking amazing, like the communities that can be formed all online just because people decided to look for other people with similar interests. They found those people and now they talk all the time. That is incredible. Same thing with families, right? Like uh, on Facebook, the cousins that you haven't talked to in years, long lost grandparents, you know, your brother, whoever it may be. Now you can find them and talk to them and reconnect. That is beautiful. The, the social support, the sense of community that you can find online is incredible. If it's used properly, if the technology is used properly. And again, it all goes back to communication. It doesn't matter if it's in person or online. Communication skills are the most important thing. And you develop those by not conforming to the idea that you must remain silent and avoid talking to other people. You do it by getting out there and being social, you know? Um, but let's, let's move on to the next part of the episode. Another thing I want to talk about is overcoming social anxiety. Because it's fine for me to say, talk to people, 
Be more social. Get out of your shell. Don't be a bitch. Man the fuck up! It's easy for me to say that, right? But let me at least try to give a bit of uh, encouragement, a little bit of advice, if I can. And I think, like Brian said in the, the article, you got to start small. And very small things you can do are things like challenging your negative thoughts. I know this sounds like some bullshit your therapist would say, but I'm speaking from experience. And so you might have the habit of thinking negative things like I'm boring or they're going to think I'm weird. They're not interested. Nobody likes me. Every time you say that to yourself, you start to believe it more deeply. And whatever you believe dictates what you choose to do. So if you really believe that you're boring, everybody thinks you're weird, nobody wants to be your friend, then you are not going to talk to people because you, you're just assuming I'm going to be rejected. This is not going to go well. So why should I even try? And then you experience all that other negative shit I've already talked about. So instead of saying, I'm boring, I'm not interesting, nobody likes me, just realize that you're only boring to some people. You're not interesting to some people. Some people don't like you. And guess what? That's true for everybody. Even your favorite person. Guess what? There's people that don't like that person. Did you know that? Even the most famous person on the planet. Who is it? Justin Bieber? Um, Drake? Barack Obama? I don't fucking know. There are people that don't like those people. Right? It just is what it is. So don't focus on that. Say, okay, maybe these people find me boring, but I'm not boring. First of all, who gives a fuck what other people think about you? Do you think you're boring? And if so, the question is why? And that you got to talk about with your therapist. I don't fucking have the answer to that. I'm just saying that talking to yourself in that negative way is only hurting. It's not helping at all. And so what I recommend you focus on instead is just pure progress. Like I talk about with your English level. Don't focus on, oh, my English is shit today. My social skills are shit right now. Focus on the fact that you're actually trying to improve them. Because at the end of the day, that's all you can do anyway. You either let it stay the same or you try to change it. You got two choices. So by trying to change it, focusing on the progress, you're actually going to start to make progress. You don't need to be perfect the first time. Not every interaction is going to go great. Even the best communicators have boring, awkward, uncomfortable conversations. Even the best communicators say weird things or things that people don't agree with, they get into arguments. It's normal, bro. It's normal. So just start small, bro. I'm going to speak to five people today. I'm going to ask three cashiers how their day is going. I'm going to introduce myself to three people at school or three coworkers at my job that I've never spoken to. Just simple shit. Small things that you can do and still feel good about yourself because by setting a goal for yourself and actually achieving it, you're going to feel more confident. If I did that, I can definitely do this. If I've been doing this for three months, I can definitely do that. That's just one step above. I've been doing this shit for three months now. No big deal. I say hi to everybody. No big deal. Maybe some of them don't like me. Maybe some of them think I'm bothering them. So fucking what? I'm not doing anything wrong. I just said hello. You know? And also, I would say, like, stop taking yourself so seriously. This is one that really helped me out. I used to be a very serious person. I took everything too seriously. I think it's because I didn't get enough hugs as a child. Uh, but I just, <laughs> I realized that like being so serious all the time and trying to think so deeply and be all philosophical and you know what I'm saying? It's, just, it's fucking boring. Can't be like that all the time, bro. We want to have fun. You want to be a 
talk to people that are like uh fun to talk to of course you're gonna talk about deep and interesting shit from time to time but nobody needs a fucking drama from you all the time nobody needs a goddamn psychological thriller from you every time they have a conversation you know so stop taking yourself and life and other people so seriously and just try to have fun you know joke around a little bit embrace humor i think that really helps when trying to improve social skills is not taking yourself or anything too seriously detaching from the results and just focus on the fact that you're trying to do something because that's the only way you're going to achieve it anyway is by trying again and again and again you know so that's what i would say about overcoming social anxieties you have to start with the right mindset avoid the negative self-talk focus on the progress that you're making on the process you're going through and not the results not being perfect and just don't take it too seriously. So start small. Make eye contact with people when you talk to them. Smile at strangers. Say hello. Ask them how they're doing if you have enough time. Listen and engage with the things that they tell you. You know? Practice different ways of starting a conversation. Instead of just saying, hey, how you doing? You could say something like, hey, I don't think we've met before. My name's Tony. What's your name? And by saying it that way, I'm implying that I'm a social person. I want to meet new people. We should have met by now, but since we haven't, I have a reason to talk to you. My name is blah, blah, blah. I'm implying that I have a reason to be speaking to this person. It's a very simple example of trying different ways to start a conversation and then analyzing the results, studying the art of communication and trying these different things in real life, not just in your head, right? Joining different communities. If you like football, go play football with people that like the sport and then talk about football and other shit. Or maybe you like painting. Maybe you like anime. Maybe you like engineering. Whatever it is, find your tribe and try to connect with those people. Focus less on yourself and focus more on the people you're talking to because then you don't have to be interesting. The most interesting people are the ones who are interested in people. I say that shit all the time. You don't have to be fucking Shakespeare out here. You just have to know how to listen and ask thoughtful questions. You know? People will talk for hours when you focus on them. There's so many things I could tell you. Know, this, you know, this episode isn't really about all the tips and tricks related to communication, and I couldn't even give you them all. I'm still learning with you, right? There's so many things I could touch on, but I think those are some good, a good place to start, let's say, is get your mind right and then start small, bro, and just build like with any other skill. It's the same shit. The more you listen to this podcast, you're going to recognize learning to speak a language, learning to write code for software, losing weight and building muscle, learning how to play football, learning how to talk to, to people, to girls, boys, whatever you into, like all those skills. It's just like, dude, get the right mindset, start small and build over time. That's the game. Right. They, a lot of us of uh, therapists refer to that as um, exposure therapy. Right. If somebody's afraid of talking to people, a therapist might say, OK, I want you to go to the mall this weekend and say hello to three people. You don't have to make conversation. Just say hello. Nothing more. A very low risk, small, easy way to start overcoming this monumental fear that is talking to people. And then next week you go to the mall, you say hi to five people. The next week, you say hi to 10 people. The next week, you start trying to make conversation with these people. 30 seconds. Next week, 90. You see what I'm saying? You just slowly build over time. 
And I think that is the best way to improve your social skills. It's just interaction after interaction, conversation after conversation, you know? And the last couple of things I'll say related to this topic are the following. I think that no matter what you're trying to do, you have to accept the fact that you need to get comfortable taking risks. In life in general, but definitely in social situations. Because anytime you talk to somebody new, you're running the risk of being rejected. They might not like you or want to talk to you or hear what you have to say or whatever. You might get rejected. It is a risk. And you have to just be comfortable with that. It's the same thing if you're going to start a business, the same thing if you're going to get in the gym, the same thing if you're going to do anything, you run the risk of failing. And that's what stops most of us is we fear failing. We feel failure. But there is no success without failure. It just doesn't happen, bro. And I know you've heard that from all your favorite athletes and artists and just try and try and try again. And it's cliche for a reason, bro. You have to get comfortable. Nobody can do it for you. This is, I mean, like I've said it so many times because I don't know what else to do. I can't do it for you. I cannot put the courage in your heart to just go take the risk and not care about the result. I can't do that for you. And you cannot buy that. I'm literally telling you to do what I, well, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm literally suggesting that you try what I did, that you try what worked for me, which is literally having a conversation with myself and saying, fuck it, let's see what happens. <laughs> so many situations, I'm just like, fuck it, let's see what happens. Scared shitless. Mind you, I'm scared shitless to do whatever it was or to talk to whoever it was. And it's just like, fuck it, let's see what happens. Because I was tired of so many years of being afraid of just talking to people, bro. Something so basic. Something so basic I was afraid of. I was just like, I can't take this anymore. So whatever needs to be done, I'm going to fucking do it. And the good news is I, I was able to start small, just like you. Simple things, saying hello to people. I'm not going to get into all that again. I'm just saying that something that's really important to remember is that there is no reward without risk. Nothing ventured, nothing gained, as they say. Um, there's many variations of that phrase. Closed mouth, don't get fed. Same idea. You got to go for it if it's what you want. Otherwise, you're just most likely not going to get it, you know? And I, I feel like I touched on it multiple times in this episode, but something else that's really important to think about is the power of networking. This is another reason you need to be talking to people you don't know, because everyone knows something you don't know, and everybody knows someone you don't know. And those two things can greatly impact the trajectory of your life. Because you can go through life by yourself, not talking to anybody, not dealing with other people, and just learning from your own mistakes and growing that way. But if you talk to other people who have been where you've been, or know things you don't know, or have connections to other people that you desperately need to be connected with, life is going to be so much easier for you. Now, there are some people who believe um, that you shouldn't take handouts, you shouldn't take favors from other people, you should earn everything you get and work for everything you get. I don't know if I agree with that, because at the end of the day, the society that we live in is something like a game. And uh, the more you know about the game, and the more players you know, the more options you have when it comes to trying to actually win the game. I hope the metaphor makes sense. And so you might have heard the phrase, it's not what you know, it's who you know. 
And what they mean is you can have all the knowledge and information and wisdom in the world, but if you don't know the right people, then you're probably not going to get that thing done. But you could be a complete fucking idiot, but if you know the right person that can connect to you, then you're good. Right? Maybe you have a great business idea, but you have no money. So what you know isn't important because you don't know anybody with money that can fund your business. Maybe you're a complete fucking idiot, but you know people who have millions of dollars who trust you enough to give you that money to start this business. And so who you know is much more important than what you know in this case. That's a very simple example, but hopefully it makes sense. And so by networking, talking to different people, just in casual conversations, you start learning things about people. Oh, you work in manufacturing. I run a business. We're actually looking for a manufacturer right now. Oh, really? Well, let's talk business. Oh, you play football? I love to play football. Really, man? I've been looking for a place to play in the city. I can't. Oh, man, you got to go to the east side. Go over there, man. Remember the story about the two rock climbers? The parable of the rock climbers. I don't remember what episode it was. The episode about two types of people. The guys just started small at the rock climbing gym. He just said, fuck it. Let's see what happens. Started climbing the walls. He didn't like the shoes and the harnesses or whatever. And then he started talking to people at the gym. And somebody told him, oh, no, you got to get these shoes. I had that same problem. Here's the solution. Because it's not always what you know. It's who you know. So by talking to different people, man, you start to learn things you didn't even know you needed to know. You start meeting people that you didn't even know you needed to know. Saving yourself days, weeks, hours, months, years, whatever. Saving yourself so much time by not having to make the same mistakes that these people already made. Right? You might not like it, but there are shortcuts in this life. There are shortcuts to getting what you want or who you want or whatever it may be. And the best news is, no matter how you feel about taking shortcuts in life, the best news is that all of us have shortcuts available to us. And if we would just open our mouths and start talking to more people, that will become clear. You know? Just something to think about. Something to think about. Because networking has always been hard for me. I'm introverted. I don't like going to social events and talking to strangers. But the more I do it, the more I realize, man... You, I really need to get out there and start talking to more people, letting everybody know what it is I do and finding out what it is that everybody else does to see how I can be useful to other people and how other people can be useful to me. Or maybe we can be friends and maybe we can be this or that, or I can do this for you and you can do that for me. Like, it, I cannot express with words how important and valuable that is. You talk to anybody who's successful and they'll tell you the same thing. I would not have made it this far without this friend or that manager, or that boss, or that employee, or that girlfriend, or that husband, or whatever. It's not always what you know, bro. It's who you know. It makes so much of a difference in the trajectory of your life, you know? It makes so much of a difference in how uh, loved and welcomed and important you feel as well, you know? Because by talking to different people, making connections, you start to build community, and human, that's how we evolved anyway. We've always been communal animals. That's why, like, exile was a punishment back in the day. You'd be, what is it, cast out of the community. Now you have to go live in solitude. That was, like, the worst possible thing. Even in prison, solitary confinement. You don't get to be with the group. You have to go sit by yourself for 23 hours a fucking day with no sunlight. The opposite of what you were born to do. We're born to connect with people. That's just what we do, you know? 
And so that's another thing that I think is starting to lose its value is community, whether it's in real life or online. Um, a lot of people who are suffering from anxiety, depression, hopelessness, they just have nobody to love them and nobody that they love. There's no sense of community. They're not connected to anyone or anything. And that's not how we evolved to live, in my opinion. So it's just another reason to overcome that fear. Because we're not talking about people who genuinely just don't like people and don't want to talk to them. I think this episode is still relevant to those people. But this episode is for those who are afraid, genuinely afraid of being rejected, being ignored, called a weirdo, looking strange, getting embarrassed, all that shit. Knowing that they want to be more social, they want to be more charismatic, they want more relationships, they want more money, they want more skills, they want more happiness, more meaning. That's who this episode is for. To put this idea on your brain and, and to get you to realize how easy it actually is, how simple it actually is to become the great communicator you've always wanted to be. Just take small daily steps. And before you know it, you've walked 100 miles, 100 kilometers. You don't even realize it. Doesn't have to be this big, powerful, scary thing. Just start small and be consistent. And you'll get there. And that's it for this episode, my friend. If you enjoy this podcast and you want to learn more effectively with every episode, then consider signing up for a Real English Radio membership on Patreon. When you subscribe to the podcast with a monthly subscription, you'll get access to bonus podcast episodes, as well as PDF vocabulary guides explaining all the advanced words and phrases quizzing you to test your comprehension of every episode, and you'll get transcripts of every episode to make sure that you don't miss a single word of any of the podcast episodes. <laughs> the last part of that sentence came out weird, but anyway, you got the point, my friend. Thank you so much for your time and attention. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Real English Radio. I'm your host, Tony Kaizen, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace! When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.